Hello and welcome to Dave's Disney View Podcast. A one-time cast member, a long-time visitor, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective on the Walt Disney World Resort. The music you're hearing on this podcast is actually from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. You can check him out at ReverbNation.com slash SoundA, as an Apple, or MySpace.com slash SoundA. Craig does a number of different things. Uh, this particular piece is called A Major Suspension, Suspended Glory. So please, do check him out, and we thank Craig for his music. Throughout the show, we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. So please keep your hands and arms inside the moving vehicle at all times, and enjoy the show. Thank you! This podcast is part of a series... Hey everyone, it's Dave. How is everybody doing? Back in the early 1990s, we got this crazy idea. Let's go and try every restaurant on Disney property. And it became this sort of quest for food over the next 18 months that we wanted to try every restaurant that was on Disney property. What I'd like to do is move on to the Magic Kingdom and talk about how I did there. And there, I did really, really well. So let's start off with Main Street USA. Let's take a trip down Main Street and take a peek at the eateries. We start off with uh, Tony's Town Square Cafe, which wasn't always Tony's Town Square. It was some corporation, though I can't remember which one now. It was, um, gosh, it was, I, I honestly don't remember. It was some hospitality house, and it was somebody's sponsoring it. Uh, I can't remember which one, though. Um, no real theming went along with it. It was just a quiet place to sit and have a bite to eat indoors. Then it was themed after Lady and the Tramp in, in the uh, late 80s, and it stayed that way pretty much ever since. Naturally, it's a place I ate at during the tour. But I thought it was uh, better when it was unbranded. Now it just it seems kind of plain to me. I don't I don't know. They didn't really do enough to make it me feel that way. It's an Italian restaurant, and uh, it's the food is good. But um, I just I don't know. Maybe maybe I was expecting more. Um, maybe maybe it is just me uh, because they seem to be doing pretty well, and there's always a wait. And um, you know that's I guess that's a good thing. The Plaza Restaurant is down at the other end of Main Street uh, as you head off toward Tomorrowland. Um, I think it might have changed names again anyway. Uh, it's, it's, up the, it's up the end. Uh, it's unknown to a lot of visitors. You kind of walk right by it because it's nondescript with the door uh, on the pathway toward uh, Tomorrowland. Um, and it's kind of small inside, but I found the food to be good. I remember the sandwiches there. And often um, it's not busy because it's out of the way. I guess that's changed a little bit now. I, every time I've walked by it in the last few years, there always seems to be a wait. But I can remember going up to it and there was nobody there. And then a little further up, uh, on the other side, uh, you've got the Crystal Palace. And it's more well-known this day for being these days for being the Pooh and Friends buffet that, uh, that they offer. But that's a relatively new use for the space. It was a cafeteria-style restaurant for a time, a sit-down restaurant for a time, and a counter-service restaurant for a time. It's really changed around a lot. I think the Pooh and Friends is probably the most productive it's been. I really enjoy it in its current incarnation and like the spread of food that they serve. It's always good, even for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I always enjoy it. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things I like to do, um, I, I uh, like to get there early, uh, get an early seating for lunch, and what happens is there's still some breakfast food left. 
So you get the breakfast food and you get the lunch food and you really get to enjoy a little bit of everything so you can, uh, you can really take advantage of it. And that's, that's one of the fun tips that I found. Um, one of the memories I have of this place, uh, like most restaurants in the park, uh, like most restaurants were into the early 80s, was it was an economical place to eat. It was an a la carte when it was the counter service of the cafeteria. You could go in and you could eat pretty cheap. And um, I remember being with my grandfather just uh, one time when we were heading there to eat. And it was just after they changed from a cafeteria to a sit-down restaurant. And as we walked past the menu, I noticed the price of a hamburger had gone up from a small amount, a buck or two, um, to uh, probably around five bucks. And I mentioned it to my grandfather, and his reaction was indignance. What are they doing? Are they trying to make it unaffordable? Um, <laughs> it was just really kind of funny. Plus, they had it posted in the guidebooks that there was no outside food allowed, which had, had him going further about how it was highway robbery or something. It was just one of those moments that I really remember. I don't think he could have imagined that it would be where it is today. I don't think he would have had uh, an inkling that this is where it was headed. But uh, I definitely ate there on the tour uh, when it was uh, before it was the Poo and uh, Friends themed restaurant. Just sat down there a couple of times and ate. You have the Main Street Bake Shop across the street, the ice cream parlor in the refreshment corner um, that was uh, Casey's Corner. Uh, bake Shop was a staple for getting a breakfasty type thing in the mornings when we'd go into the park. The ice cream parlor was a nice refreshing treat in the afternoon, made sure we stopped there frequently. Um, and uh, surprisingly, I only ate at Casey's uh, one time. Um, can you guess when? <laughs> it was on the tour, of course. I had a hot dog to end my day, and it was good, but with all the food choices, it was hard to make a decision to go back there. So that's kind of how, uh, how I look at Main Street and how that worked out. Uh, next up, we'll take a look over in Adventureland. Um, over in Adventureland, um, when I go into the park, I like to go in and move counterclockwise. It works for me, and I think it, it works out pretty well because I'm going against the crowd to a large degree. Um, so I usually go to Adventureland first. And, uh, you know, besides, I love the Pirates of the Caribbean and the Jungle Cruise. There's something cool about it. And I love the old Tiki Room, and I'm going to have to talk about that on a future podcast, but uh, we'll leave that alone for now. So there were five food stops there uh, back in the early 90s. First, you had the Oasis, which was like a uh, little uh, fruit, stop, fruit stand, and I remember getting some fruit there. Then you had Aloha Isle, which is the place where you can get the uh, uh, Dole Whips, the pineapple Dole Whips, and those were always good. I always like to have those, but uh, I always like the strawberry ones better. They're in Fantasyland. That's just my little tip. But um, definitely ate those as well. Um, and I ate a lot of the pineapple ones along the way. The uh, Sunshine, Sunshine Tree Terrace, which special, specialized in citrus and frozen yogurt, was also over there. Um, and that's over by uh, behind where um, the uh, Aladdin's Magic Carpet sits now. Um, it was a nice place to cool off. You could just kind of hang out in there, and there was a little uh, little cool breeze blowing, and they had a little f the fans up there. So it was always kind of nice to, uh, to stop there. Um, and uh, they had an orange version of the pineapple whip, which I really liked. That was, those were pretty good. Um, really liked that. And the other two were the uh, open seasonally, meaning, they, meaning that they were hard to, uh, to find open and actually be able to eat there, considering we were kind of hopping around trying to eat at different places. First is uh, El Pirata and El Perico, y El Perico, the pirate and the parrot. Oddly, they were never open on the world tour whenever we went through. So we're going through trying to look for food, and every time I went through there, they were closed. It was the strangest thing. Um, you know, uh, once or twice we passed by there, but we'd already eaten and, you know, couldn't really take in more food at that point, so it didn't really work out. Um, it just never worked out that during the tour it, uh, they were open. So um, I did eat there before the tour, and I've eaten there since, but just not during that tour. And then finally, you had the uh, Adventureland Veranda. Um, it was the strangest counter-service restaurant. Close to the bridge when you're entering uh, Adventureland from the hub. It's 
and I say it's strange because they had served an assortment of burgers and, fr and stir fry items, which is an interesting mix anyway. So you could eat egg rolls, stir fry chicken, and french fries, which <laughs> I always found kind of funny. And I think that's what I did. I think I did like stir fry and french fries just because it was funny. Uh, they were open seasonally, and I happened to go by on a day where they were open, so I got the unlisted combo. <laughs> Since they've closed permanently, but I still remember them kind of, I don't know if fondly is the right word, but I certainly remember them anyway. Um, so let's go over to um, Frontierland. Um, this area only had two food stations back in the early 90s. They had the turkey leg cart, uh, which came later as, as did the uh, McDonald's fry station, so neither of those were there. Uh, when I was doing the tour, and I guess the McDonald's Fry Station is now something else as well. I guess it's just as well because I don't, the um, I don't really eat McDonald's, and the turkey legs just amuse me. Watching people walk around with a um, a bone full of meat and just gnawing on it as they walk around the park, I think is kind of funny. Um, hey, that's me. <laughs> so I never uh, haven't tried either of those. Okay, so the locations uh, that they that do exist in Frontierland were Aunt Polly's Landing, which is located on Tom Sawyer's Island, and uh, Pecos Bill Cafe. Aunt Polly's was another uh, site that was only open seasonally, and I uh, rarely found it to be open. But when I did, um, I actually would go in there and grab a drink or some ice cream and sit by the water and watch the river, river boat roll by, and then take the stroll over the uh, barrel bridge over at uh, Tom Sawyer's Island. I had an, uh, it had an out-of-the-way feel to it, even though it was visible from, uh, from the side where you're walking toward the Haunted Mansion. But uh, it was sort of, it felt kind of secret in a way, um, and uh, it was kind of neat in its, in its own way. I never took any advantage of any other food offerings there, but uh, um, I know that they offered a picnic basket that I never took, but it seemed like it was kind of um, kind of a cool idea. It just never worked out to, uh, to get it. Um, it's always hard to plan, with, even though you're there all the time. We were there frequently, you know, like s at least once a week, probably more than that, um, probably a couple times a week, but because things were open seasonally and they had weird hours some days, you'd go in and one day it would be open, the next day it wouldn't, the next week it wouldn't, the next week it would. And so you kind of had to work around it. You know, you just kind of had it, kind of had to hit it right uh, to get it. And so you're going in one day, you might go to the Magic Kingdom on a Saturday, and then on a Sunday you go over to, uh, let's say, Epcot or something, and then you come back the following Saturday to the Magic Kingdom, and it's open that time, but you've already eaten. So it's, uh, it's a real challenge, even if you're trying to do it the right way. Now, Pecos Bill, that was a staple. I like stopping in and getting a burger and the waffle fries. Um, something I didn't find anywhere else on Disney property. Um, it's weird because, you know, waffle fries, you know, you see them at like uh, the Chick-fil-A stands, but nobody else really has them except for Pecos Bills. Um, the, um, the burgers are pretty tasty. They were a little different. They had some of them you could get had like a barbecue taste to them, which was kind of nice. And I really like that. Um, and it's funny because I, I went back and I was looking at the um, guidebook from the early 90s and it listed the Mile Long Bar uh, with Pecos Bill. Um, but it was a separate place, uh, and the consolidation didn't happen for a few years until the mid-90s um, when Pecos Bill got bigger and provided more indoor seating, and they took over what was the Mile Long Bar. The Mile Long Bar was never really a bar because no alcohol is served in the Magic Kingdom, um, but it did have a soda fountain, and you could get a drink and some snacks there, so made sure I did that, you know, got the sarsaparilla, which was really just root beer, and uh, got that. Don't bug me about that. I'm a connoisseur. I know what's going up on that, so that's, uh, that was kind of fun. But it was always interesting to go in there, and they had the, um, for a long time, they had the, uh, the same audio animatronic, um, um, what, what are the names, Buff, Max, and, oh gosh, I can't believe I can't think of his name, uh, Melvin, the, uh, the three heads that are inside the uh, Country Bears. They were, um, they were actually outside, inside the, uh, the Mile Long Bar as well, doing a, a uh, it was mostly the same spiel, but it had some other things uh, intermixed into it, which I thought was kind of funny. And of course, over there, you also had the Diamond Horseshoe Review. 
Um, it was an unusual place that combined a show, an old-time saloon feel, and food. Yeah, you could actually go in there and you could order a sandwich and uh, have it while you were watching the show. Um, I did do that once during my uh, quest for food. I remember the show being funny in that corny sort of way, but it was, it was a fun time. And, uh, you know, I managed to get that one in, so chalk one up for me. Next, uh, let's go over to Liberty Square. Um, over in Liberty Square, there were just a couple of choices for dining you had. The uh, Columbia Harbor House, which I never thought much about until I went to it in the early 90s. I was surprised to see that not everything was fried and that their fish and chips were actually pretty good. Um, I have I have returned, I've been back there a bunch of times since then. The actual nautical theming make it a memorable uh, experience, though it's really not all that special. It was just something kind of fun. And then you've got the Sleepy Hollow refreshment stand, which is just the refreshment stand. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was that I liked there. Was it their lemonade? I think it was their lemonade because they had a special special lemonade that wasn't the usual mix. It, maybe it was real squeezed lemons. I, I'm trying to remember. But uh, that was always fun. And then you had the Liberty Tree Tavern. Long before it was a character meal. I guess it's not a character meal anymore. But uh, at one point it was not before, before that. And what I remember about that is the food was always good every time I went there. Um, it was good, it was freshly prepared, and it was plentiful. My dining partner, my friend, loved the Thanksgiving feast. She would order that pretty much every time she would go in there, and we had to go in there every once in a while. Um, and I have to admit, it was good. And it's pretty much as good as I'd had on any Thanksgiving. It always kind of had that sort of evoked that memory of uh, Thanksgiving, especially since you had the colonial style going on there. And here's where I get style points for Panache. So I started the dining tour before I became a cast member, and it kind of continued throughout the time I was a cast member. My friend, uh, my dining partner, stopped in the store one day. I was working in the Emporium. She stops in and she says, hey, you want to go over and uh, meet her for lunch at the Liberty Tree, Liberty Tree Tavern? And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. My lunch break is at whatever time it was, noon or one or whatever it was. So um, she took uh, she took my break schedule, wandered over there, got a reservation for it, and um, came back and told me what time it was. So at my break time, <laughs> this is great because I'm wearing my costume and I'm in the Emporium. I actually ran down to the tunnel um, and uh, into the men's room. I took off my costume and threw on a, threw on a pair of shorts and t-shirt I had in my locker and bounded up to the Liberty Square uh, to meet her. Um, <laughs> we sat down at 8, and when it was about that time, I got up, ran back down to the tunnel, changed back, and returned to work on time. <laughs> so think about that. Here I was, I was working in the Emporium, and I took a break and actually went and ate in the Liberty, Liberty Tree Tavern. You know, I think I get style points for panache on that one, because how many people could say they did that? I'm, I'm sure people have, but that was just one of those. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. I'm going to do it. And I did. Um, she stayed, paid the bill, and uh, stopped by later to say hi and thanks for lunch. It was just one of those memorable moments because it was so unusual. You know, it's just I did something so different there that was just really unique and different that uh, most people don't ever get to do. Um, and then I was able to talk about it with my friends later. And then next up is uh, Fantasyland. So Walt's grand plan was to create a place that was different from everything you see every day. He didn't want uh, common food, like, say, McDonald's, on his turf. He wanted you to be transported to somewhere else. Um, so I always found it odd that the Magic Kingdom only had, a, had only a couple of sit-down options and lots of places to get snacks and quick service stuff. I think Fantasyland kind of summed that up for me. Earlier in the 1990s, the Disney company really put uh, the fantasy in dining by creating a dining experience with character and characters. Themes like Cinderella's Royal Table are now uh, um, in place, and they're pretty good restaurants. Now, I've never eaten at Cindy's. Um, it used to be King Stevens Hall, um, a sit-down order from the menu restaurant that I enjoyed because you could sit above the kingdom and watch the world and take your time because it was, uh, there was no rush and there wasn't the uh, dining experience there. It wasn't a big secret, but it didn't always fill up. Sometimes you could get reservations the same day. 
Um, and for a while there, you had, to get, you had to get reservations the same day, and you could even get them late in the day. Um, I remember having a lot of fun up there, particularly one evening when my grandfather, he comes up in these stories a lot, showed us how, showed us how real crystal glasses uh, used for water could be used to make a ringing tone by running your finger along the edge. My mom was really disappointed in my grandfather and us for uh, going ahead and making all that noise, but it was pretty fun. Um, I, used to, I also used to really enjoy the uh, four-inch tall um, butter shaped like Mickey Mouse. I thought that was pretty clever. And uh, that was something I never saw anywhere else, and I really enjoyed that. And one of my favorite moments when I was eating up there one evening was this cute waitress come over and came over and took my order, and I said, Hmm, I think I'll eat the Duchess this evening. A little off-color to be sure, but it was a real dish, and so, frankly, so was she. Um, so I'll just stop there with that story. I'll leave it at that. Uh, a counter-service restaurant in, in the area is uh, Pinocchio's Village House, um, which has pretty much remained the same over the years. Um, Italian staples like pizza and pasta and stromboli and whatever. You have a couple of different things. I think they have an Italian sandwich. Um, what I always liked about it was uh, looking out over It's a Small World and, you know, like making faces or, you know, putting your hands on your uh, on your ears or on your nose and, you know, uh, waving to the people below. That was always kind of fun. And then there was Lumiere's Kitchen, um, which, uh, which was another counter service uh, restaurant. Um, it's it was located next to um, uh, where Pooh or Toad are. Um, they served uh, about every type of food there over the years, but I'll always remember them for the pizza. Um, it wasn't good pizza by any stretch of the imagination. It was like those box pizzas that you microwave, but the memory of them made them great. I was having fun in the park and eating pizza and just hanging out with my friends, and that's what I loved about it. Um, across from Dumbo and next to the 20K ride was a place uh, called the Tournament Tent that uh, um, served soft serve ice cream. So um, it's funny how many ice cream places there are. I never really thought about it. Um, in addition to the carts that they have going around, it's amazing how many ice cream places there are. Then you had a round table. Um, whose location I, I can't remember exactly. I think it was next to Pinocchio, and uh, Pinocchio absorbed it at some point during uh, an expansion or something. Um, and you know what they serve there? Anybody? Ice cream. Yeah. Um, that's uh, that was what was going on there. Um, you know, it's just amazing um, how they used to have all these ice cream stands, and part of it had to do with the fact that they didn't have the ubiquitous dry ice to be able to send out with the, uh, with the ice cream, um, like they do today, where they can keep ice cream cold all day. Uh, so they used to have to keep it in the, uh, in the, in the stands like that. There was a Troubadour Tavern. Um, there was, uh, you know, again, it was kind of misnamed because they don't serve alcohol. They served cold sodas and a few snacks, and it was fine for a quick beverage, nothing really exciting. Um, and then, uh, finally, one of my favorite places, the Enchanted Grove. It's the place where they make those uh, strawberry swirls, uh, you know, the Dole Whip uh, strawberry swirls. Um, and I always, it's vanilla ice cream with this strawberry puree thing, and it's really, really good, and I always like to stop there, and I made a point of stopping there very, very often while I was on the tour, because it was just so much fun. always loved that. And then finally, um, on the uh, last stop on the uh, Magic Kingdom is Tomorrowland, um, the last theme land in the Magic Kingdom. Um, you know, his idea, Walt's idea originally was to allow for growth and changes to keep pace with our, with our visions of tomorrow. Only it's pretty much been stuck in the 1960s view since it opened. There's been some changes, of course, but uh, it seemed that no one has the vision that Walt did. Um, there are four dining options in the area. You have the Tomorrowland Terrace, now called Cosmic Rays. Um, the concept and layup, layout have been pretty much the same over the years, though some of the food offerings have changed over the years. For some reason, I always wind up stopping there. Always have. I guess I always will. Um, maybe because it's everything is counter service and this one offers a lot of variety in one location, but made sure that I ate there. And maybe it's just because of sunny eclipse. 
the lounge lizard singer who performs continuously and has for four, 15 years now. Um, the other three places are all walk-ups that serve quick service meals or snacks. Um, they've all changed in name and, names and concepts, but you have the Space Bar by what was Mickey's Star Traders, uh, which served hot, dogs, uh, served hot dogs, the Plaza Pavilion, which was on the walkway to Main Street. Um, I think more recently it's been the Noodle Station. Um, they used to have pizza there. And then the lunching pad, ha ha ha, underneath the Rockets, which served ice cream. And of course, I had to check them all out while I was on the tour. So, in all, um, I think I've done pretty well. So, on the Monorail Resort Hotels, I was a little weak. I ate it, there were 17 dining options. 17. And I ate it 12 and a half of them, which is only about 74%. And I give myself the half because of that uh, experience at the Polynesian, with the, um, where the uh, Ohana is. Um, they're, they're actually... Uh, Two and a half restaurants, the oh, oh, second half of Ohana is the one, uh, where I've never eaten. Can you believe that? Inside the Magic Kingdom, I uh, ate at uh, 27 and a half of the 28 and a half restaurants during my 18-month quest, and that's an astonishing 96%. I only missed the one because of the issues with it being closed. That's the uh, El Pirata y El Perico. And, um, but I have eaten there a few times before and since, um, so I just missed that one. Um, but I give myself the bonus points why I got to the half because of my panache going to the Liberty Tree Tavern while I was working. Um, and I'd, that puts me at about a 90% hit rate as I finish out the Magic Kingdom. To be continued in the next podcast. So we'll do more in the next podcast. I'll take you around with me to some other locations. You can, of course, always find my podcast on iTunes under Dave's Disney View. Um, or feel free to visit my website at davesdisneyview.shorturl.com. And I'm hoping to, uh, to bring you some more great podcasts in the future, some things I hope you like. But please do email me anytime at davesdisneyview at gmail.com and let me know what you think or something you'd like to hear more about. And that's my show for this week. I am out. I'll see you. We've reached our destination in the 21st century. And I know, it went by so fast. But don't worry, the future is always in front of us. Hey, thanks for joining me on Dave's Disney View podcast for this week. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to email me at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Now, gather your personal belongings and step off onto the moving platform. The platform and your car are moving at equal and opposite speeds. The music you're hearing on this podcast is actually from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. You can check him out at ReverbNation.com slash A as an Apple, or MySpace.com slash A. Craig does a number of different things. Uh, this particular piece is called A Major Suspension, Suspended Glory. So please do check him out, and we thank Craig for his music. 